Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We're a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Dwight Bennett. Over the last couple months, we've had two things that have uh, been on political ballots called Issue 1. And uh, so they have been uh, big issues. They've been issues that we've focused a lot of attention on and all of those different things that go along with that. But over the last couple weeks, God has said to me, what is issue one? What's the real issue one in life? And the real issue one that we know about for sure that Jesus gave his life for was the lost. The real issue one in the Bible is knowing who you are in Christ and doing what God has called us to do in the midst of being here on earth, being kingdom kids, being about his business. And so Tammy and I were, were driving the other day, and uh, we were coming up 33 probably to here, and uh, at least three different times somebody was driving, and you know, left of center, they're like in your lane, uh, and then they, they, they stop looking down, then they jerk their cars back over. Somebody's at a traffic light, you know, they're doing this, and then you know, they're not paying any attention, and, and then you have to honk your horn to get somebody to move. And, you know, people, they, they get honked off when you honk your horn at them, but pay attention, you know. Uh, three different times that week, people are trying to get into the lane, and I'm doing this to them. Come on, come on in, come on in. And they're doing this as they're inching out, not paying any attention to you going, come on, you know, come on. And so you just have to move forward because they're stuck in their distractions. They're not focused on what's going on. And it, how many of y'all realize, man, it's dangerous these days to be driving. And you have got to be on your A game. I don't know about you, but God convicted me about four years ago about texting and driving. And uh, so, you know, I almost came up on the rear end of somebody, had to slam on my brakes, and I just said, that's it. That's stupid. Why is my focus diverted? What is so important in that text message that it couldn't wait till I, you know, pulled off the road somewhere or did that? And it just made me think, that is what is going on around us, but it's also going on here in the church that we've lost our focus, that, you know, our focus has been on this thing, that thing, the other thing, and all things, but the reality is, is what about issue one? What about the thing that's important to God? And what Caleb was doing this morning, Pastor Caleb, was he was reinvesting in issue one. When you come to the pulpit and you uh, offer salvation, that's the most important thing that Redeemer's Church can ever offer you is the opportunity to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I, I found out way back in the idea of becoming the senior pastor here when I ran out of all of my charisma and there was nothing left of me to offer, I, I realized that God was saying to me that the only thing you need to offer as the senior pastor is the opportunity for people to have an encounter with God. That God would touch them at such a level that it would move them into a place that they would not only want to know Jesus, but it would touch them so dramatically that they would never move from who they are and whose they are. You know, many of us here have had those kind of encounters. 
And so what is issue one with Jesus? Well, today I'm going to provide for you an exciting message. I'm going to show you some testimonies about issue one in God's heart. And I hope that by the time that we're done over these two weeks, that you'll set your tone on 2024 to purpose to do what God has gifted you to do and called you to do. This week I wrote in our midweek article, I wrote about issue one. What is issue one? Second Peter 3, 9 says this, it's his heart that none should perish. That's issue one. It's Jesus' uh, heart that what he did here on earth would still make an impact upon the people of today's time. It's absolutely incredible the uh, insights that came out on the Holy Spirit over these last several weeks. Amazing messages. And we could have preached another 26 weeks on the Holy Spirit and not even scratched the total surface. But it was amazing to hear what everybody had to say. But Jesus made it clear right from the beginning of the book of Acts, the purpose for believers when they experience the infilling of the Holy Spirit. There is a direct purpose for us to, when we receive the Holy Spirit, it's for the ideology of you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's Acts 1.8. And that's what the purpose of Acts 1.8 is. Acts 1.8 is to get us focused for those of us who have asked Jesus Christ to be our personal Savior, that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, that we will take that power and become a witness unto the world who does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. That we would be a billboard for Christ. That every place that we go, every, every place our foot shall tread, every, every encounter that we have with people in, uh, uh, as we walk upon the earth, that those encounters would lead us to be able uh, for us to share our faith with them. We as spirit-filled believers, too often, we gloss over the main reason why we are experiencing such a life-changing event as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was reading an article from an evangelist, uh, Daniel Owens, and he writes this. He says, the average Christian in America will likely die without ever having told anyone about Jesus. That's sobering. That's really sobering when you think that that could be the truth. He goes on to say, so when Jesus said, I want you to be my witnesses, that's what he wants us to do. But it doesn't mean that we have to close every deal. How many of you have witnessed to somebody and you, you get to the place to where it's time to ask Jesus into their heart and they just say, I'm not ready yet. That's okay. That's okay. You're planting a seed. How many of you have witnessed to somebody and you've said, they've told you, yeah, somebody's told me that and uh, I'm just not ready yet. And that's okay because what you're doing is watering that seed. You're being the one who comes along after the person has planted it. How many of you realize that a harvest doesn't grow to its full potential unless that seed, number one, has soil and number two, has water for it to grow? Sometimes we lose sight of what the ultimate goal is. And we've been so conditioned in society that says success only comes from being the one that closes the deal. 
That's not true. Great success comes from all of the grandmas that prayed for all y'all all those years when you didn't know Jesus, but then you finally came to know Jesus, and it was an answer to all of those hundreds of hours of prayer for you. You see, there's way, there's a whole lot more that goes into the idea of salvation and our purpose in the kingdom and all of those things that God has called us to do. Sharing your faith with those who have uh, connections, who you have connections with is just supposed to be a natural part of our spiritual journey. It's not supposed to be something that has to be worked up. It's not supposed to be something that you've had to embrace 17 evangelism classes before you got a stamp in your passport that says you're now qualified to go out and share your faith. If you're waiting for the next evangelism class uh, to come along so that you'll be ready to share your faith, you'll be no ready at the, more ready at the end of it than you are at the beginning of it. See, this isn't about a class. This is just about a natural outpouring of what's in you as you pour it out to other people. In other words, being a witness for Jesus should be issue one in showing our gratitude to the one who gave his life for us. When we sit and actually think about this Jesus and what he did to get us to the place that we are now, it's the outworking of that gratitude that just naturally makes you a candidate to share who you are in Christ. Now, when we have a, a conversation like this, we've got to talk openly about what brings us to the place to where we would be one of those who would pass away without ever sharing our faith with somebody else. What hinders the process? First of all, sometimes we lose sight of how amazing God is. And we need something to, to bring a, a, a reality to what we've glossed over. If you could put up the first picture, Betty. Uh, on our last trip to Mexico, this is, and if we could get the words off the screen, that would be great. Um, I don't know if we're able to do both. This is, uh, okay, that's all right. Loading. Dun dun dum dun 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 I know the I know the Jeopardy answer. I know the answer. It's coming. I know it. Okay. You were what you were looking at was a tough picture to see. there's there's a multitude of other pictures. This is Joy. And this is Joy. She's just over two years old. And she's in the hospital. She's got that screening all over her body because she has what's called Stephen Johnson's disease. And if you look that up, you can read more about it on your own. But what is happening here is over 85% of her body, her skin is in a place to where it's just being uh, demolished by this disease. And what's going on that you can't see there, you see the blood around her mouth, that's because her organs were internally shutting down. And so I talked to her father. We were, this is in Macuspana in Mexico. And we talked to her father, Ernesto, and he was sharing this testimony about God and his faithfulness. And so at this point, the doctors had said to him, 
that when you have this disease over 50% of your body, your likelihood of, of you know, coming back and surviving this is very low. But when you have it over 85% of your body, your chances to live are not g good at all. As a matter of fact, he said, you guys need to prepare yourself for what's going to happen to your daughter. And so they said what we could do is we could put her on IV morphine to keep her comfortable and, and all of those types of things. They talked to Joy about that, and she said, Daddy, I have no pain. I'm not in any pain. And so Ernesto said, we're going to set out to uh, call every intercessor in any network that we are aware of, and we're going to get them to begin to pray. And so two weeks after they began to send out this intercessory prayer, uh, what began to happen was is there was a visible, uh, tangible sign of her outward skin becoming whole again. She started to get energy again. She wanted to drink again. She wanted to begin to eat again. And so within about a month's time, can we see the next? Uh, this is joy today. Come on, somebody. You can't make this stuff up, okay? You can't make this stuff up. This is Joy. She's beautiful, as you can see. She's three. This is her dad, Ernesto. He is now the pastor of the church where we were at. His father did the same thing that I'm doing in here and, and uh, stepping down as senior pastor. But listen to this testimony. So when Joy got healed, God began to speak to her in unusual ways. She would walk into church on Sunday morning and she would walk around the sanctuary and she would go up and tap her daddy on the shoulder and she would say, Daddy, Jesus wants to heal somebody today. And so when it first happened, he was like, oh, okay, that's cute. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. And so at the end, he just said, well, today, Joy said. And then two people came forward and they got healed. And so Joy doesn't do this every Sunday, but when she comes in and tells her daddy that Jesus wants to heal somebody today, trust me, her daddy listens, and he offers the altar for people to get healed. And on those Sundays where Joy is telling him Jesus said somebody's getting healed today, people are getting healed. She was at the mall and she was walking down, and it said about 100 yards away was a security guard, and Joy tugged on her daddy's, she's three, now three. She said, Daddy, that man is really sad. We need to go over and pray for him. And so, sure enough, uh, they walked all the way down the mall. This guy had low countenance, and Ernesto said to him what Joy said, and he said, she's absolutely right. I'm severely depressed, and uh, I'm looking for answers. And Ernesto said, we have the answers. His name is Jesus. Let us pray for you. They prayed for him, and he got saved, and he got healed of his depression. And when they walk the mall now, there's a different man in that guard suit. See, sometimes we lose perspective on how amazing Jesus is. And, and sometimes we have to be reverted back to when we get to see things like this about his heart. His, his motive, his ability. Now, I know that, well, let me ask you this first. How many of you up here have experienced a physical healing on your, you've experienced a physical, I want you guys to look around, okay? You've experienced a physical healing in your life. That's an amazing, um, no, leave your hands up. 
this is, this is critical for, for my message today. You've experienced God's touch in your life in a way that can't be explained, it, unless you fully believe that Jesus is still in the business of healing. You, you've been touched by Jesus in a way that that's something that you can share with somebody else about how amazing that your healing is. My hand is up. And, and we've experienced the power of God to say we've had an encounter with God that it, it, it doesn't matter if man can explain it. You can put your hands down now. It doesn't matter if man can't explain it because it's supernatural. And we have to be reminded sometimes when we get into this place of wanting to make issue one the main thing that we do in life, we have to understand that we oftentimes are the conduit, we are the person that stands between the devil and somebody's salvation. That we are the person that stands between the enemy and, and somebody's healing. That we are the ones that have the, the ability, the conduit, we've got uh, the, the call as kingdom kids to be able to share Jesus, to be the witnesses that he's called us to be. And then he's empowered us with the Holy Spirit. He's given us all those giftings of the Spirit in our life to be able to be the go-between between the person who needs Jesus and is in a battle with the enemy. You know, there's a lot of talk you've heard on the news about, well, you know, we might be on the precipice of World War III. Yes, we might be. But Jesus will still be in control if it's World War III or four or five or whatever world war it is because man will not ultimately destroy himself. Sin will do that. And then Jesus will come in at the time that he needs to come in and he'll rescue us all from that. See, but when our focus is off what it needs to be on, then we are clouded by everything that goes around us, moves us to the place to where we're so distracted that we become introverted and only worrying about how we can survive the place we are in when God is a bigger God than that. He's a much bigger God than that. And in order to move into the place of saying, I want to be the kind of person that when it comes my opportunity to share my faith, that I will step out and share my faith. You know, a lot of my family members, hi, Kathy and Bill, Greg, hi, guys, it's good to see you this morning. I can't see you, but I know you're watching because you tell me all the time. You know, my family knows who I am in Christ, and I've shared with them about my faith. I led my dad to Jesus. You know, there's just something about the opportunities we have in that sphere of influence that we have that God has put us into. And the number one sphere of influence is our family. And we have the opportunity to share Jesus with our family in a way that would not only transform their lives permanently, but that would give them the opportunity to uh, know that when they die, that they will go to be with Jesus. And that's what's massively, massively important in this day and age. Betty, put up Ecclesiastes 3.11. Let me, let me tell you why this happens, okay? Uh, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. Um, it says, 
Yet God has made everything beautiful in its own time. Now listen, he has planted eternity into the human heart. Wow, don't let that pass you by right there. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end. You know, there's a lot of people that we know that when we see the scope of their life, we think, what a mess their life is in. And listen, I don't know about you, but my life was a mess as well before I came to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Is there anyone in the house today that your life was a mess before you? I'm glad there's two of us, three of us, four of us. Hold your hand up high. Look, <laughs> I'll put a hand in a foot. Look around you. Okay? There's a lot of mess going on. But there's a lot of Jesus that's going on as well. I want you to put the next set of pictures up. A couple years back, we were in a place called Akiyukan. We were doing a, a leadership conference, and in comes this guy in a wheelchair. Uh, we could tell that something was messed up with him. We didn't know exactly what it was beyond his physical condition. This is Freddie right here. So early in Freddie's life, somewhere around 16, 17 years old, Freddie, that's Freddie on the right, that's the real Freddie, and that's Fredette on the left. So Fred, Freddie had transitioned into a woman, even to the place to where he got breast implants and the whole nine yards. And so what happened in Freddie's life, the, the, the life that he was leading on the left was, that he was prostituting himself, and somebody, are y'all okay with this? I mean, am I gonna, am I like, is this too much for you? Okay, because I don't want it to be too much, because this is real life, guys, okay? And I know some of y'all would rather say, I don't even wanna deal with that, and you know what? We didn't know we were gonna be dealing with it either on that day. So anyway, so he was prostituting himself, and somebody found out that he wasn't a female, and it got, it got rough. And so he was in the second floor of an apartment, or a, a hotel situation. He ran down this aisleway as they were chasing him to kill him. He jumped over the edge, and he broke his leg. And so when he broke his leg, they just left him there because they thought maybe he had died. And so anyway, as somebody helped, a good Samaritan came along to help him out. He, they found out this was not a girl, this was a Freddy, and so they did everything they could to, to, to bring him back to a place of, of health and safety. So at that time, this just happened in Freddy's life. So Pastor Chuck and I, after the service was over, we talked to him for an extended period of time, telling him that, you, you know, not chastising him, not uh, demeaning him, not... Uh, judging him, but just sharing with him how good Jesus was and how Jesus could come and transform all the stuff that brought him to this place for him to be able to be the person that God had called him to be. And so with tears in his eyes, weeping in that wheelchair, we laid hands on him and uh, Freddie gave his heart to Jesus that night. Now, the next picture, this is, this is Freddie, Freddie Martinez. This is a Facebook uh, uh, post that I took a screenshot of 
this is who he is right now. This is Freddie. He is a preacher of the gospel. And as you can see, he's an ex-LGBT, evangelistic Freddie Martinez Ministries. And what he does is he goes around and preaches in all of the LGBT communities about who he was, what his testimony was, how Jesus brought him out of where he was, and there's people getting saved everywhere because this is the man that God designed Freddie to be. Amen? And what an honor it is to have been a part of leading Freddie to the Lord and, and be playing whatever process that we played in Freddie's life to bring him to this place to where now his kingdom mission. This is what Freddie was set out to do. Now, let me just say this. When people like Freddie transition into being a female, there's something broken in them, but yet they've got that kind of personality. They've got a flamboyancy. They've got a power. They've got uh, something inside of them that has to get out of them. But when they, when they don't know Jesus, that's the way it comes out. That's what they become because they're going to be flamboyant in one way or another. But when they have an encounter with Jesus, what happens is, is they step out into a place to the true person of who they are comes into the forefront. And then what happens is, is that they become an instrument in the hands of God. I preached a message to you guys uh, a while back that I said, these are the people that you need to have in your life. There's certain people that you need to hang out with. And the reality is, is you need to have people in your life who have been forgiven much. Because when you have people in your life, like a Freddie, who have came through what he has came through, he's been forgiven much, and now he's setting his life into this particular place, what happens is, is you begin to understand the depth of God's love like you've never experienced it before. When somebody goes through horrific things, and they give their life to Christ, and Christ sets them back on their feet again, to do what he's called them to do, even if they do nothing for him. Their life has been snatched out of the depths of hell and put into a place to where no longer will they spend eternity in hell, but they'll have a place in heaven. John 14, uh, verses 1 through 6, I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. If you believe in my Father, believe in me. That's what Jesus was saying. And Thomas says, God, Jesus, how do we know where you're going? How do we know what to do? And Jesus comes back and says to him, Thomas, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no one comes unto the Father except through me. And when somebody encounters that power that comes through accepting Jesus, something amazing happens and it transitions them for all of, all of history, all of mankind, all of time and space. You know, I, I, I said to you that, you know, there's this thing going around that people are talking about. Wow, you know, if a few more things happen, we'll be in World War III. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, that's not a good thing, and I don't want that to happen. 
But I, that's not the greatest war, or the World War I, or World War II, or the French-American War, or our Revolutionary War, or wars that have been fought for years, and the wars that will be fought in the future between men. That's not the battle that wages, that hurts us the most. You see, the enemy is waging a battle for the souls of men. And he will do whatever he can to wage this war. He's dirty, he's obnoxious, he's a liar, he's filthy, he's, he's perverted, and he'll do whatever it takes, the Bible says, to put a veil over the eyes and the ears of the unbelievers so that the message of the gospel has no penetration in their lives. And we have to understand that. The greatest war that has ever been fought in all of eternity is for the souls of men, for your soul and my soul. And when you've came to a place to where you've won that war, where you've given your heart to Jesus, to where you know that you're out of the hands of the enemy, the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and your life is now in the hands of the one who said that I come to give life and life abundantly, there should be something that resonates inside of you that says, wow, I didn't have to wait till the end of Revelations to be a winner. I'm already a winner. You're, all, you're already a winner. And we, as the church, we've got to recapture our focus. Redeemer's Church, every church, the church on the corner here, the church down the street, you, you, you're, you are the church. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You, every place that you go, God is with you. Read through the New Testament and see how many times Jesus was in the synagogue doing what he does. No, what of the most of what he did was outside of these four walls. These four walls should be a time of Sunday morning celebration of what happened in the other six days of the week outside of here. Thank you, too. Uh, the, the, uh, you know, I'm being very serious right now. I'm, I, I couldn't be more serious right now. This is, this is our call in life. This is, this is what Jesus has, has asked us to do. It's 11.32 and I can't transition into the next point because it's a major point that needs more time to marinate. So what I want to do today is this, is I believe that there are more people in here today that your heart was pounding, when Caleb was saying, who, who wants to accept Jesus as their personal Savior? And I want you to understand something. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote a letter to this one city, he wrote these words in that letter. That when you hear the gospel, when you hear about Jesus dying for, for you, when you hear those things, the Bible says, now is the time for salvation. Now, why does... Why does God say that? It's simple. Because he understands how fickle our minds are. And, and if, if we're on salvation right now, if we leave these doors, and it was supposed to be your hour to say yes to Jesus, you'll walk outside of those doors, and life will consume you again. 
The enemy wants to get you out of the sanctuary, and you probably want to get out too, just being honest with you. But when you walk out those doors, when you know it's your time to say yes to Jesus, then the world is going to consume you, and you're going to be back into the hands of the enemy again. Just being honest with you. And so with all eyes open and every head looking forward, uh, because Pastor Caleb said this right, this isn't something that we have to hang our heads on and be ashamed of. This is something that changes your life for all of eternity. I just did a funeral yesterday. And one of the things that you find out in funerals is death is a weird thing for most people. It doesn't have to be. Because when we ask Jesus Christ into our heart, we never die. We just go from one life to another. Okay? That's the beauty of who we are as a believer. So this is what I would just say to every single one of you, and I'm looking around at everybody, everybody. If you have know that your heart's not in the right place with God, how do you know that? Well, your thoughts aren't pure. Your actions aren't right. You, you, you know you're not doing the best that you could do. That's a warning sign to say, I need help from something that's bigger than I am. And that thing that's bigger than you is God. And he loved you so much, and that was my next point, that he gave his only son to die on a cross so that as he was lifted up from the earth with his arms wide open, nailed to the cross, he's saying, come, experience the goodness of salvation today. And let me ask you one more time. Is there anyone here today that if you walked outside of those doors, you would walk out of those doors knowing that you've not gave your life to Christ, that you have not received his forgiveness that you've not asked for repentance of your sins before you walk out that door and the world consumes you again. God brought you here today for a purpose, and that was to bring as much love into your life as he could bring in today. But he's also saying this is your hour. You're not here by accident, and that God wants to touch and transform your life. If that's you, can I just see your hand right now? You know if you walk out that door, God bless you, Ivy. Who else? Who else needs to say, Pastor, God bless you. God bless you guys. I knew God was going to touch you guys today. Thank you so much for being brave. God bless you. Can I get Ivy, can I get you guys to come up here? Beth, can you move just a second? I can ask, I can kick my friend out of her seat because she, can you guys just come up? God bless you guys. Who else? Who else would say? Who else would say? Pastor, I know that I, I know I need to ask Jesus into my heart today. Who else is in here that you would that could say that? This is what I want you to do. I want you to practice evangelism right now. I want you to ask your neighbor, say, do you know Jesus as your savior? Or and do you need to come up? If you need to come up, I'll come up with you. Okay, who else? Who else would say it? Come on, ask right now. You got to open your mouth. Okay, we're inside a church. It's safe. You can, you can say to somebody. Okay, I'm saying to y'all, y'all. 
Okay, anyone else? Anyone else? Okay, so here's the deal. It's great that you guys are all here today. It's not an accident that you're hearing this message today because God loves you so much that he just made all this come alive. And it's just for you guys today. I mean, it's good for these folks, but for you guys, it's the best. And so it, it, here's the process. We just, the Bible says when we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that that's what happens. He becomes into our heart. And you'll know it. It'll happen. You'll know it. You'll experience it. You'll feel it. It'll be amazing. So what I'm going to do is, because uh, I just want to not miss anybody, is we're going to pray, all of us. I'm going to pray, and then everybody's going to pray this. The guys who are saved, the ones who are still not sure, because I still think there's other people that need to get saved today. And I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm not ashamed to press your buttons today. That's my job, to press your buttons, okay? And, and if you don't like it, I'll give you a hug after we're done here, okay? So let's all stand, everybody, all of us here. By the way, I'm Dwight. Dean, it's nice to meet you, buddy. I'm Dwight. Nikki, it's nice to meet you. Hi, Ivy, you already know me, but it's still good to see you. God bless you guys. So let's just, let's just pray. Say, Father, in Jesus' name. Today I ask you to come into my heart. I give you my life, and I ask you to lead and guide me every day of, our, of my journey. And today, Father, I say I am sorry for all the sins that I've committed, and I ask you to forgive me and to come in and lead me. So today, I thank you, Father, for pulling on my heart, for bringing me to church today, and answering your call. And so, Father, I just pray over these folks today. I thank you that this battle that has been waged for their soul, that that battle has been confronted, that the enemy has been put in his place, and Jesus, that your love has shone and shined so brightly today that they have said, this is my hour to ask Jesus to be my Savior. And so, Father, as your Bible says, bless them and keep them. Let your face shine upon them. Let them see the pathway of their life begin to change as they begin to walk into the fullness of what you've called them for in this life. Father, I thank you for sparing these lives, that, Father, they are your lives now. I thank you that the angels in heaven are rejoicing because of the uh, decision that they have made today. And, Father, I pray that we as a church could surround them, walk with them, help them in any way that we can on their journey to find out exactly who you are. And Lord, this is an amazing time in your kingdom. And Father, I just thank you for these folks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. 
For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.